Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 387. In need of some motivation? We've got you covered seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Looking for total human optimization? Onnit supplements, foods, and fitness products are designed with that exact goal in mind. Get 10% off your supplement purchase by going to onnit.com slash fire. O-N-N-I-T dot com slash fire. Entrepreneurs like you and me are powerful people, and we deserve powerful tools. Lucky for us, Entreport offers an all-in-one small business management platform that streamlines multiple technologies with one simple solution. Go to entreport.com slash fire today. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Francis Pedraza. Francis, are you prepared to ignite? I am prepared to ignite. Yes. Francis is the CEO of Everest, a San Francisco-based technology startup that helps people achieve personal goals through its tools and community. Everest is available on the iPhone and will soon be available on the web and Android. I've given Fire Nation just a little overview, Francis, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of your business. So I'll start with the business, actually. Um, The problem that we're trying to solve is that everyone has things that they want to do in life that are deeply meaningful to them, yet they don't achieve them because they lack organization and support. Most people don't write down the things they want to do. They don't have a process to figure out what steps they should take or to fit those steps into their busy lifestyle, and they need a tool to help. Uh, Also, people don't share the things they want to do, so they don't benefit from encouragement, suggestions, accountability, um, seeing other people who've done similar things and succeeded and learning and being inspired by them, uh, or finding companions who might want to do these things together with them. So they need a community. And the formula for Everest has always been tools plus community to help people achieve personal goals, live their dreams, and do all the things they want to do in life. And uh, it's amazing that we can deliver all that through an iPhone app. Um, and uh, my, my personal story is um, I, uh, I grew up in Southern California. My mother's family came from Iran after the revolution there. So I, I was um, sort of surrounded by that uh, immigrant um, thirst for the American dream and uh, belief that uh, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And so the big question is, what are you going to do with your life? Um, and uh, I studied history at Cornell and I'd spent a year abroad at Oxford as well. And, um, and uh uh, when I, um, I, I interned at Google, uh, as well as uh, did a number of entrepreneurial and consulting projects in, in school. But when I graduated, I decided um, instead of going to work for a big company to come to Silicon Valley and uh, start this business um, and eventually met my co-founders, Victor and Catherine, um, and, uh, and we got going. Does that answer your question? It answers the question incredibly well. And I would just like to take a couple of seconds to talk about that meeting with your co-founders because that's such a touchy subject. We talked briefly before the interview yeah. about my partner, Kate. So talk about your meeting with the co-founders and why that works. It's a great question. So um, <laughs> I think that so much of uh, success uh, comes from what people call luck. Uh, but you can increase your luck surface area by talking to more people, meeting more people and sharing your passion. Um, so, uh, when I came out to Silicon Valley, I had a vision for what became Everest. Um, and I had done a project my senior year of college, um, that had, uh, spread and someone heard about it 
um, in Boston and mentioned it to um, Victor. And Victor then found me on Twitter, uh, which turned into um, a phone call. uh, And we ended up sharing a very similar vision. So he flew out to California and slept on the ground in my little apartment in Palo Alto. And, um, and Victor has an incredible design background. So he turned my sketches and wireframes into a real product and uh, has since led our product team. He's our chief product officer and designer, um, manages our roadmap and our, and our engineering and design uh, efforts. And uh, I think my partnership with Victor was um, sort of a match made in heaven. Um, uh, he's... Um, he, he's sort of like the Johnny Ives of Everest, right? He, uh, uh, he's got that incredible craftsmanship, um, that he puts into everything that we do. Uh, then Catherine came through an introduction, uh, to an investor and, uh, she was working on a project, um, that, uh, had uh, an element of what we were planning to do for monetization already in it. And so she was thinking along similar lines and, uh, and then she got really excited by what Victor and I were do- was doing, and then she decided to join. Um, so it was uh, by November of 2011. Um, it was a, it was a long process. It, it oftentimes the um, the co-founder match isn't going to happen on your timeline. Uh, you're hoping that it's going to take like a week or two or a month. Uh, it ended up taking a good five months for us to um, finally like solidify that partnership and, and, uh, and meet each other. And, um, but then once we had it, uh, it was, it was strong. Well, Francis, those are just some great insights about how you found your partners. And if you just continue to network and put yourself out there, you will increase that surface area of your luck. I loved how you put that. And it makes sense on so many levels for entrepreneurs. And what I want to do, Francis, before we dive more into your journey as an entrepreneur is really take a step back and hear a mantra, a quote that really resonates with you. And I know that this one is from Walt Disney, and I'd just love to hear you share with Fire Nation why you chose this one. Always be in the process of reimagining reality. It is your source of power. Walt Disney. That's a great quote for so many reasons. Now, break it down. Why do you choose that to share with Fire Nation, and why does it inspire you? So our office is in the Presidio right next to the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's a privilege to work here. It's a national park. It's gorgeous. Um, And right across the parade ground of the Presidio, there's the Walt Disney uh, Family Museum. And it's not owned by the Disney company. It's a a personal uh, museum. Um, And Disney is someone who I I want to study and learn more about. Um, And... Uh, he's a, an incredible entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I've heard little bits uh, and pieces from friends of mine who've, uh, who know more. Um, I remember hearing that uh, he had pitched every investor he could find in LA and was rejected some uh, absurd number of times with the Disney concept uh, until he finally got the funding he needed. Um, and I think that uh, it's a very similar quote to uh, you know the famous Steve Jobs quote of you know the world, the reality in which you live was uh, was created by people no smarter than yourself. So as soon as you realize that, you you develop the freedom to um, sort of change the rules and, and create uh, a different reality. And I think that um, I think that core to my own philosophy is this understanding that um, there is the way things are, um, and then there is the way things should be. 
Um, and there are many possible, uh, there, there's reality and then there's many possible realities in the future. And the possible reality that is the most beautiful, uh, the most desirable uh, and feasible is the one that we're trying to move towards. And so when an entrepreneur has a vision, that's essentially what they're saying. They're saying, hey, look, the way things are and the way things could be and um, you know, this, this process of reimagining reality um, is something that you can exercise every day. Um, you can, uh, you can look at, uh, you can walk into a Starbucks and you could say, okay, the Starbucks, they have, they have decided to, to lay out this menu. They've decided to lay out the store in this way. They have a whole process and a whole system here. Why is it this way? Why isn't it another way? Um, and you can look at everything this way and it's a very powerful, um, perspective to take because, um, eventually you start to see possibilities and realize that uh, you can you can actually take one of those possibilities and make it the new reality. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense, Francis. And I'd love to shift the focal point of the interview now back to you, back to you as a spotlighted guest of Entrepreneur on Fire, because I really want to do a deep dive into your journey because it has been fascinating. And I want to hear about a time in your journey when you failed or when you just faced a massive obstacle that really forced you to dig deep to overcome and, and tell that story, Francis, really take us there with you. Cause we want to, we want to experience that failure or that challenge with you and then tell us how you overcame it and the lessons learned. It's a great question. Uh, I have a somewhat heretical response to it. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> All right. I don't believe in failure. Um, I believe that failure is when you lose the will to keep fighting um, and when you decide to give up. Um, that said, I do obviously believe in setbacks. Setbacks are part of the process and you can, um, you can mess up and you can make mistakes. Um, things cannot go the way you want them to go. Um, but those aren't failures. Um, in other words, I wouldn't say that Thomas Edison, for example, failed uh, a thousand times before he got the light bulb right. Um, you know, I, I would say that he, he experimented a thousand times. Um, the thing is that he never quit. He, if he quit, then it would have been a failure. Um, and, and so for me, there's been a number of moments that have been very, very hard and trying. Um, so I can, I can t- talk you through several of them. Um, right at the beginning, uh, I, um, I graduated from school. I came out to Silicon Valley. I only knew like three people. Um, and I, I, I had this vision that was burning inside of me to build a company that can help people unlock their full potential through technology. And, um, and I, and I, and I felt so frustrated because uh, I would go to meeting after meeting after meeting with investors, with engineers, with designers, and I couldn't find people to take a risk and join me and uh, build this. And, uh, and I, I guess I um, had to come to terms pretty quickly with the fact that the entrepreneurial process involves a tremendous amount of rejection. Um, so uh, here's, here's how I came to peace with that. Um, I realized that whenever you start a company, you are essentially a contrarian. Um, uh, have you heard of efficient market theory, John? Yes. Okay. So if an efficient market theory... Um, uh, let's say the price of Apple stock is four hundred dollars. Um, they would say that that's because Apple is actually worth four hundred dollars a share. Um, and an, another way of putting this is that all startups that should be funded are funded. All things that should be being worked on are being worked on. 
Um, but if you believe that markets are efficient, then basically there's no reason to start a company. But if you recognize that all opportunity comes from inefficient markets, um, when then the, the act of starting a company is almost like shouting from the rooftops and saying, hey, market, you're wrong. If you were right, this would already exist. This should exist, but it doesn't. And so I'm going to have to start it. And um, in other words, like uh, if, if, everyone, if everyone agreed with me, uh, if, if, if everyone didn't reject me, if everyone accepted me, if everyone said, oh my gosh, Everest is obviously a genius idea and like this should exist and how come it doesn't exist, then it would, it would already exist and the opportunity wouldn't be there. Um, so you have to become comfortable with rejection because uh, the rejection is your opportunity because if everyone agreed with you, it would already have happened. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense for so many reasons, Francis, because one of my favorite quotes, and I think it applies here, is from Gandhi, which is, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. And I see so many entrepreneurs that I have on this show go through that cycle because, of course, they're ignored at first because people look at them as being irrelevant because they don't get it and they ignore them. And then they laugh because they think it's a stupid idea, but then they fight them because it challenges them and they're scared of this person all of a sudden for creating what they've created. And then you, as the entrepreneur, win. Does that apply in this at all? Yes. That Gandhi quote is exactly what I'm talking about. And if you look at the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journeys uh, of heroes that you admire, that have built things that you, uh, you, you admire. Um, and they've, they've all gone through tremendous amount of suffering, sacrifice, hardship, and they just never gave up. Um, so the model for dealing with failure, I think, is the Winston Churchill model of never give in, never give in, never, never, never. Um, and I guess the question that that begs is, how can you develop so much conviction that you're right and that others are wrong, even when all these other really smart people are saying that, that are basically saying, no, you know, I'm going to pass for now. I'm not going to invest or uh, I'm not going to quit my job and work on this. Um, how do you develop that sort of uh, Steve Jobs-like conviction, the knowledge that you're, you're right, that this makes sense? Um, and that's something I've thought a lot about um, because, uh, for every argument, there's a counter argument. So uh, I have an argument for Everest, um, and that's why I'm investing my time and energy. Um, and I could be wrong. Um, but every time when it comes down to it, I still make the decision that, you know what, I think that this is, this is right and this could work, and I believe in it. Um, so uh, that's sort of how I deal with the uncertainty. Um, does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And what I would love to know is what's one of the very consistent arguments that you keep running into against Everest? There's the surface arguments. And then there's when you really dig down deep, what do you get? Um, so um, uh, here would be an example of a surface argument. When I was just starting out, uh, they could have said, hey, you, know, you don't have co-founders yet. So uh, why don't you come back to us when you have co-founders? And then when I had co-founders, they could say, hey, you don't have a business plan yet. Come back to us with a plan. And then we could have a plan. And then uh, you know, they could say, hey, come back to us with a prototype. Uh, come back to us with an engineering team, come back to us with a launch product, come back to us with users, come back to us with growth and the rate of growth in your users, um, come back to us with revenue. I mean, it just keeps going, right? Um, so, so those are surface issues. Ultimately, if someone felt the way I did about this company, they would invest or they would join the company, right? Um, because I'm so passionate about it, I couldn't imagine myself working on any other opportunity. Opportunity. So if they felt the same way, that they would obviously be working in this opportunity um, or investing in it. Um, 
so I think that these surface issues are never really the issue. So whenever somebody rejects you, I think it's, it's, it's often worth digging deeper into like, why don't you believe what I'm saying, right? I have an argument here and uh, this argument that this is going to be great really has nothing to do with um, whether, you know, with, with accomplishing the next milestone because we're going to accomplish it uh, eventually. Um, and I think that the core belief um, that someone who does not agree with Everest believes is that people um, basically can't be like Leonardo da Vinci. Um, and it's, it's sort of like a, a no vote on human potential. Um, and I deal with this a lot, and believe it or not, there's lots of people who think that most people, um, the highest state of human potential they'll realize is... Um, uh, they're gonna go to. They're gonna have a nine to five job, and they're gonna go home, and they're gonna uh, watch a game on TV um, or watch their favorite TV show, and uh, and just sort of relax. And that that there's that that most people don't have um, a drive to live their dreams, achieve personal goals, and improve themselves. Um, and my belief is that um, is that everyone has incredible potential. Um, and that, uh, that, that the, the deciding factor is really, um, whether or not they have, um, they have been taught that it's possible for them to do the things that they want to do. And when most people think that it's impossible, then they give up. Um, but you know, I basically believe that within everyone, there is a, there's a, there's a type of Leonardo da Vinci. There's a genius in all of us. Um, and that human potential is like limitless. Um, the people that I think pass on Everest think that, um, that most people are just quote unquote average and that this product won't appeal to them. It will only appeal to, um, quote unquote exceptional people. Um, does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And what I would really love to hear now from you, someone that's so passionate about this, do you have an example of somebody who has utilized Everest and made them a creative type like a Leonardo da Vinci? Obviously not on that level necessarily, but just utilized Everest to really take their lives to that next level, their creativity to that next level. So there's lots of user stories that are really inspiring. And I think the easiest way for me to answer this question is to sort of read to you from the feed of what's going on in the explore tab right yeah, now. Let's do it. Here's Michael Green. He has a dream to lose 80 pounds and he just worked out this morning. Raz just accomplished their dream to save 100 gallons of water. A Laverne just finished Toby's picture. Um, she painted it. Uh, I wish I could show you uh, in her dream to be more creative. Che has a dream to become athletically fit and she just rollerbladed with her dog. There's dreams across almost every category of human endeavor on Everest. Uh, and people are making daily progress towards becoming that. Here's Vanessa. Um, she has a dream to become a dancer, and she just went to a class, uh, a dance class. If somebody has a dream to uh, become a better tennis player or learn how to paint or um, visit Japan or um, to get get a uh, um, a new like degree, like an MBA or something, there's lots of ways that people are using this product to... Um, uh, to improve themselves. 
um, and become more like the person that they want to be. Uh, and so I think of the product almost like a magical mirror. Uh, when you look into Everest on your iPhone, uh, you're not just seeing the way you are, you're seeing the way you could be, and that's very, very powerful. Um, and the people are able to manifest sort of their vision for themselves um, through this tool and community. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense, and I really hope that Fire Nation really just got that right there, that Francis just pulled up live time, the impact that Everest is having on so many lives all around the world. And this is something that he believed in. And this is something that he created from an inner belief that he had. And now it's being reflected outwards to so many people accomplishing so many things. And, you know, for me, Francis, like when I log into our Instagram account and I see people taking pictures where they're listening to Entrepreneur on Fire all over the world, like I get inspiration from that, just like you get inspiration from what you created and the ability that we have created something that allows people to take their lives, their entrepreneurial aspirations to the next level is so powerful. So I just have to commend you for that. And what I would really love to do is just have you take the next couple of minutes. You've done such a great job really painting this picture of your journey thus far, but let's really take it to the present moment. I mean, what is Everest beyond what you've already shared with us and what is your vision for the future of it? I'd love to answer that question. Can I just connect briefly with what you just said? I'd love to, Um, please. So uh, over the last six months, um, I've been going to the gym and there's an older gentleman. He's almost 70. And every time I see him, I see him working out harder than me. Um, and he, and it, it, he just works out with such an intensity. Um, it's ferocious. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I've never seen uh, someone uh, of his age work out with so much energy. And so I've gotten to know him. Turns out uh, it's Ed Catmull, the, uh, the founder and chairman of Pixar, um, who worked with Steve Jobs and John Lasseter in building that company. Um, and obviously, you know, the man is very wealthy. Um, uh, he would be a billionaire, I think, uh, after the, uh, the acquisition of the company by Disney. Um, and, um, and he's such a humble guy. He's just working out at the gym with everyone else. And, um, and so uh, yesterday, um, we were talking and uh, and I mentioned this to my friend, um, Jens in, in Finland. Uh, I have a Finnish friend and we were, we were on Skype yesterday and he, uh, he, he said, Hey, I've got something to show you. And he pulls out a letter, um, from John Lasseter, Ed's co-founder. Um, and when Jens was a little kid in 1996, um, he, he had watched Toy Story and was so inspired by, by Pixar, um, and loved it so much that um, he he had basically uh, drawn his own comic book and sent it to John Lasseter and with a note saying what a fan he was. And uh, right after Toy Story launched, that was a very turbulent time for Pixar, where the the company's future was uncertain. They had just come out of like basically very dire financial straits and had finally had a, a financial hit, but there was a ton of pressure on the executives. Time is obviously like such a precious resource. And you know what? John Lasseter took the time to write a full page letter personally to my friend and to draw um, a, a, a comic or not a comic, like a, a, just took the time to draw Woody and Buzz and, and say uh, to infinity and beyond um, and, and, and sign it for, for gents. And you know what? Like it's, 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 it's exactly these moments where you realize, oh, you know, like I, I can just imagine John Laster at his office seeing a kid in Finland whose work had touched um, and, and just being like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm here. 
Um, and, and we feel the same way at Everest. When we look in the Explore tab and we see people who are doing things and we view these stories, it's very important to connect deeply with what you're doing and who it's touching and who it's impacting in the world uh, because that's where your energy and motivation is going to come from. Um, and uh, you should never stop um, uh, basically making the time uh, to do that. Wow. Well, again, Fire Nation, you're hearing from a founder of a company that has passion, that believes in what he's doing, is impacting the world on a daily basis because of it, and is only growing with this company. And if, can you just take maybe 30 seconds, Francis, because we need to move on to the last section pretty soon here. But I just want to know what your vision is for the future of Everest. So if Facebook is a social network that defines you by who you know, we want to be the action network that defines you by what you do and what you want to do in the future. And um, we want to give you the tools and community you need to do the things that you want to do. Um, and I think that the, the, the opportunity for us to help you do these things is massive. Um, so, um, uh, we, we plan on integrating with other platforms. Um, so imagine if, uh, you used, um, uh, you had a savings goal, uh, to save $5,000 to go on a vacation to Hawaii. Um, well, we're working with uh, a startup in Portland called simple, uh, on an integration so that, um, as it takes $5 out of your checking account every day and puts it towards that goal, uh, you see a progress bar appear on your dream until you complete it and you have the money to go on the vacation. Um, we're working with, um, uh, Nike and other, uh, apps like Nike plus, um, to show progress, um, as you know, you work on your running dream and you go on a five mile run, have it show up on your Everest dream. Um, so, um, there's, there's a deep, deep roadmap, lots of features, lots of integrations um, uh, that we plan on, on adding over time um, to just facilitate uh, people's uh, pursuit of the things that matter to them. Well, Francis, I mean, your passion shines through so clearly on this and the vision that you have, the integrations that you're making and the lives that you are changing are just impactful on so many levels. It's something that I could talk about all day long, but We're going to have to break in just for a minute and thank our sponsors. There are a lot of online platforms out there that claim to be all-in-one. It's a great selling point, really. Who doesn't want to be able to manage multiple areas of their business from one single platform? Well, I've got news for you. Entreport says it, and it's actually true. Entreport is an all-in-one small business management platform that integrates all the software an entrepreneur like you needs to start, systemize, and scale your business. I'm talking client relation management, email marketing, sales, the whole nine yards. With Entreport, they're all in one place. To give you an idea of how powerful a platform like Entreport can be, check out these stats. Dane Maxwell, co-founder of the foundation, has seen a 500% increase in revenue, an 80% increase in new customers, and a 10% increase in customer retention since switching over to Entreport. Now that's what I call results. To learn more about Entreport's streamlined platform and how it can help your business, go to entreport.com slash fire today. D-I-S trust Find out what it means to me. D-I-S trust Whoa. Slow down, Dumas. Sorry about that, guys. Getting a little distracted. It's a good thing I have on its alpha brain right here. Oh, and sorry. How rude did me not to even tell you what alpha brain is all about? 
Alpha Brain is a supplement that has crucial components that help you remain calm, focused, and mentally driven throughout the day. How? Well, without getting too technical, it basically assists in delivering oxygen and nutrients to the brain via increased blood flow and the combination of neurospecific antioxidants that help clear away that mental fog. The result? An extraordinary combination of lucid dreams, mental drive, focus, memory, and mental acuity. If you want to check out Alpha Brain to see what it can do for you, Onnit is offering Entrepreneur on Fire listeners 10% off your supplement purchase by going to onnit.com slash fire. O-N-N-I-T dot com slash fire. So we've now reached my favorite part of the interview, the lightning round. And this is where we get to ask you a series of questions, Francis. And you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? You have ideas and then one of these ideas comes along and captivates you and the idea has you and the possessive relationship goes in reverse. And I would, I would define a vision as an idea that has you instead of you just having the idea. You sort of date business ideas uh, and you experiment and you, you sort of tinker um, but then when you realize, oh my gosh, this, this is huge and this needs to happen. And if it does happen, there's going to be so much fulfillment because of all the value it will create in the world. Uh, I have to make this happen. Um, then, uh, then your whole, your whole, you basically get married to the idea. And, um, and what was holding me back from taking the plunge was, uh, just not, um, feeling that strongly about anything I'd done before. Um, and then when I found it, it was like discovering your calling. Um, I re- I'm reading a book actually uh, called Mastery by Robert Greene. And the first chapter is that, you know, in the lives of every master, um, they, they had to find their, their life's tasks or life task or their calling, the thing that really mattered most to them, the, the thing where they realized, I'm here to do this. Um, and uh, that resonated so much because it's true with me as well. No, we had Robert Green on the show and it was right before his launch of Mastery. So it was great to get those insights pre-launch. And then once I read the book afterwards, I could really connect with what he was saying on so many more levels and it was really powerful. So if you guys, if you've read that book, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, check it out. It's a, it's a great one. And Francis, what's the best advice that you've ever received? If you believe in what you're doing, don't quit. I think that persistence and perseverance and tenacity are so valuable. Um, you know, we think that the, the skills that matter, the, 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 the qualities that matter most are intelligence or, or something like that. But it's, it's really the ability to keep going um, when you believe in something uh, is, is really important. Now, obviously, you have to believe in it. Um, and, and so I think uh, entrepreneurship and building a company is a thinking man's game where you're taking in feedback and, and lots of reasons why um, you, you maybe shouldn't believe in it and you're, you're having to respond to those or adapt. But um, if you really believe in something, um, keep going uh, and um, and ultimately things will pan out. Um, there, there have been so many moments where um, things were so close um, and if I had quit um, because they looked so far away, uh, I wouldn't be with you today. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe attributes to your success? A lot of what I do is essentially sales related. Uh, I have um, 
I have a number of tasks or functions that I have to accomplish regularly as a CEO. One of them is fundraising. Another of them is marketing, um, speaking with journalists, uh, talking to the press, doing things like this. Um, and then uh, another one is uh, recruiting. Um, and another one is sales or business development or partnerships, right? So I have a whole bunch of these things that are essentially sales functions, right? Um, and most people think that sales is all about persuasion, so they'll invest all of their hours, let's say X hours, trying to be twice as persuasive. But if you invested X hours in process instead of persuasion, in being organized, um, then you would have like a 10x return um, instead of just a 2x return. So I think that the gains from process are always greater than the gains from persuasion. So if sales is a formula, sales equals process plus persuasion, I would focus on the process variable more than the persuasion variable. Um, so uh, I think an example of this is getting organized with your network. Um, I, I think that you know if you're in a city like San Francisco, you're meeting 5 to 20 new people a week that are worth staying in touch with, and that could be anywhere from 10 to 40,000 people over the course of your career. Um, so how are you, how are you organizing all of those relationships? How are you cultivating them over time? Uh, are you following up? Are you staying in touch? Um, and I think organization, um, and being systematic is like a really, really powerful, um, uh, sort of, uh, habit to form. Do you have an internet resource like an Everest that you're just in love with? You can share with our listeners. Yeah, so on my last point, the resource I use is a company called Relate IQ. Um, and I use Relate IQ uh, more than almost any software other than Gmail uh, because it's a very, very effective way to manage your network. Uh, does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It's all about managing your network. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything else that we've mentioned in today's episode by going to eofire.com slash Francis Pedraza. Francis, do you have one book that you can recommend to Fire Nation? Yes. I would recommend The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Uh, there's a really great translation online that's available called uh, the, Lionel, or it's the Lionel Giles Translation. Um, and there's an audiobook. Uh, it's free uh, with a beautiful recording. Uh, you, can, you can listen to it in, I think, just a couple hours. And I would listen to it again and again and again because there's some really deep principles um, in that book uh, about um, success. Powerful and Fire Nation. If you haven't already, you can get the audio version of The Art of War or any book you'd like for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Francis, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I would spend the $500 incorporating a company. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that uh, if you have your food and shelter taken care of and you have a laptop, you really have all that you need. Um, I mean, that is actually a very, very powerful position to be in. Um, I mean, maybe the $500 could be better spent, uh, transportation. Um, but, uh, I think access is power. So, um, I would immediately go about, um, meeting people, uh, and building a network. Um, I think that, uh, if you, uh, in, in this new world, um, 
I would need to discover a problem that I wanted to work on before starting a business. So uh, until that happened, uh, I'd probably just bide my time and study. Um, I think before you act, uh, it's very important to um, gain information. And, and, um, and so I think that uh, if you have your food and shelter taken care of, uh, you're in an excellent position to um, take the time that you need to study and learn about the problems and the, the dynamics of this new world in which you live and find yourself uh, and then, um, and then uh, put together a strategy for what you'd like to do. I would almost certainly be an entrepreneur in this new world. <laughs> yeah. Well, Francis, I have so enjoyed hearing your journey. Your passion for Everest is inspiring. I know Fire Nation has taken so much away from this interview, but give us just one parting piece of guidance, then the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, to connect with me, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, you can also uh, read my blog, uh, FrancisPedraza.com. I also blog on Medium quite a bit. Um, or uh, if there's a specific business thing anyone would like to reach out to me about, I'm available on LinkedIn. Um, as far as uh, a parting piece of advice, I think that people underestimate how much harder hardworking people work and how much smarter smart people become when they work on something that they're passionate about and that they believe in. Um, and so... Uh, I would, I would ask yourself, like, do I, uh, do I really believe in what I'm doing? Um, I think the underlying formula behind all decisions is value must be greater than cost plus opportunity cost. And so wherever you are, wherever you find yourself right now, you've made decisions that have led you to where you are. And, um, I would, I would, I would really think about, um, the opportunity cost of being where you are right now, because you could be working on something that you're incredibly passionate about. And until you, until you start that, you'll never know. Um, so I think most people don't um, really appreciate the opportunity cost of time, um, which is, uh, which is very significant. Um, so uh, if you think that uh, if you find yourself unfulfilled, I think that's something I would take a, take a look at. Well, Francis, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've talked about, the resource, the book, your Twitter, website, Everest, everything at eofire.com. Click on the podcast tab. You are hanging out in the archives or just type in Francis into the search bar. Your show notes page will pop right up. And thank you, Francis, for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you, John. Imagine how much work went into opening your brick and mortar shop. You figured out a way to do it because it was your dream. Now your dream is to open up your shop to online consumers too. Guess what? Shopify figured out a way to help you do it because it's their dream to make e-commerce better, easier, and more accessible. Get a free 14-day trial and 20% off for life at shopify.com slash fire. That's shopify.com slash fire. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 